Welcome to the Next of the Hub, the TV series hub podcast. Join us to explore the entertainment galaxy in this new feature made with love from fans and for fans. If you like debates, neck talks, and to be well informed about TV and film, this is the podcast for you. From Nerks to Nerks. Welcome to Nerks of the Hub. I'm your host, Kelsey, and I'm joined by fellow host Uber. Hey there. And our amazing guest, Ines Esmer. Oh, hi. Hi. How are you? <laughs> uh, you forgot my first name there. Is that, is, are, are, you call, are you like my, uh, my high school gym teacher? Just calling, do you call people by their last names usually? Or is that like oh, did I not say? I thought I said Ines Esmer. Did I not say oh. that? Oh, maybe it, you, you know what it cut out. It just sounded like you said. Also, our special guest is Esmer. Oh, so like, <laughs> why did I do like that over I again? Me do twenty push-ups. No, I like it. That's, this is all. This is all good stuff. I think. Okay. I don't really have space to do push-ups where I am now, Coach. But uh, <laughs> no push-ups necessary. You're good. You can just right, pretend. Good. We can't see you. So. Oh, I just did them so fast. Oh that man, amazing. that's amazing. Well, if you answer your question incorrectly, we'll just tell you to drop and do 20. So. Oh, my God. And I can lie right through my teeth because you can't see me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Perfect. So our listeners will know Ennis, Ennis, as I heard it. I most heard it. prominently as the host of Wipeout in Canada. But Whoa. he's also currently on a little show called Blindspot as Rich.com. <laughs> you may have heard of it. I don't know. Wait a is that sarcastic? There's no way people know me from Wipeout. That's nuts. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Really, I mean, that's also kind of mean to the producers of Wipeout, but hey, it was years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's been a few years. It's a, okay. It, it's yeah, a slightly smaller show. HD version. We had a lot more um, sa- like smoked salmon jokes on our version. Oh, okay. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Anywho. Anywho. So we wanted to kick off with basically the biggest question, the most important question we could think of. Oh boy! Yeah, which is this is about this is about wipeout. No, 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 not about wipeout. <laughs> but um, have you ever filmed a more awkward scene than having a pregnant woman water break while she's grinding on your lap? Oh wow! Because uh... <laughs> that was how to plan an origin in a small town for listeners yes. out there was a gem yeah. of a movie, hilarious, and that scene was like that was amazing. That was pretty. That was pretty intense. Nice memory. I really thought you were describing a scene on Blind Spot up until the water breaking part, and I was like, "What? Who did I act with that was pregnant?" And I couldn't remember. It. But uh, uh, that's you know that's it's funny. I don't even know if that's in my top five. To be honest with you, I've had some really. I had a real run of like Canadian independent sex comedies that I've done, and uh, I don't even think that's the most awkward thing I did in that movie because. Honestly, I think we were all aware that it was really ridiculous and that it was going to turn out really funny. So uh, if there's a sexual scene that's got comedy to it, it's infinitely easier than a sexual scene that's supposed to be emotionally resonant or somehow, like, sexy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. And I was working with Natalie Brown, and she was so hilarious in that scene. But honestly, the scene where I... There's a scene where... When do, when do we... Uh, was that cut out? Yeah, there was a scene that was cut out where Jewel state and i had to kiss and i really had to kiss her like in a way that made her not see me as just a friend anymore and i swear to god i don't think i've ever worked so hard in my life because it was so awkward because she's like my she's a good friend you know we work together on the la complex and uh she's like a sister you know what i mean i couldn't think of her less romantically and uh, i hope she doesn't make offense <laughs> to that but she's like you know she's my pal so it was weird and we weren't getting it and then the director, Jeremy Lalonde, was kind of give me some tips. And he would direct, he would do these little things where this is, I love this kind of direction where one of the actors in the scene will get it, but the other ones won't be able to hear it. So it's a note, it's like a performance note, but you don't see it coming if it's coming, if it's one of the other actors. So I find that's great for just keeping things alive and kind of, uh, you know, breathing new life into scenes if you've been doing it for a while. And I really, I really went, I really like planted a kiss on her at one point. And it was, it was weird. It was just a weird you know, everything was cleared and we, you know, we're all trying to make sure everyone's comfortable. And yeah, it was just, it was bizarre. So compared to that, the water breaking and all the simulated masturbating I had to do in that movie, that was nothing. <laughs> There's a lot. That was nothing. Yeah. That's so funny. That's yeah. Looking too far behind the curtain is that it's fake. Yeah. So it's well, fake. yeah. 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 The, uh, <laughs> any kind of self-love and uh, I mean, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to speak for every movie, but that was kind of a rule in our movie. 
Anyway. I think that's probably a pretty <laughs> good rule. <laughs> I love this opening. This is a really good, how, where do we go from here? This is great. I know, right? It's all downhill. Sorry. It's all yeah. terrible after this. We're all giggling nervously. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I love that movie, by the way. Oh, thank you very much. Jewel State is great. Kristen Brunt is like, I just, I don't know. Yeah, Christian's, Christian steals that movie out from everybody else. And the, he's got a lot of competition because Mark O'Brien's also stealing things. We're all just stealing things from each other, that whole movie. It's great. Yeah. And then, of course, ending with a nude run through town. I mean, yes, yes. how do you we beat did that? Run, we did run naked. Uh, it could have been warmer. <laughs> could have been warmer. That was like we, we moved that. I think it was earlier in the schedule because we shot that movie over like October, November. And we, we had that scene up early. And I think people were just nervous about I don't know. It seemed like the kind of thing you do right at the end, but then it was so cold that night. It was all just all of our nipples could have cut glass for sure. I love that. That's a that's exactly what their listeners are looking for now. I mean, yeah, exactly. the rest that's of the, they can go of... ahead and turn off the podcast. The most interesting part is done. You know. <laughs> no, nope. and I'm talking about the rock hard nipples. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, if, if it's okay with you, we'll move into blind spot because I know. Sure. That's what, Everybody sure. wants to know. I could talk about nipples all day. Go ahead. <laughs> well, well, couldn't we all? I mean, yeah, sure. really. Um, I, I have to ask you because uh, I'm a longtime fan of Blind Spot. And, uh, of course, one of the things we're joking about online is about bitch. I am uh, bitch, a yes. bitch shipper. I am longing for bitch. Is, is there any <laughs> bitch... How many more times can we say bitch in the next, like, like two it. minutes? <laughs> uh, you're setting the bar pretty high. It's pretty great. <laughs> Is there any hope for bitch? We have we have this whole, you know, dynamic set up for this season where, where Boston is kind of coming in and possibly... Yeah, we, should clarify. we should clarify what bitch is. I don't know how deep uh, your your listenership is in terms of uh, ship names on Blindspot, but it's uh, my friend Josh Dean, uh, oh, who, yes. I've known, who I've known since we were in another Canadian indie sex comedy together called uh, Young People. Can I swear on the podcast? Is that okay? Far away. I guess I said nipples already, but yeah, this show's called a movie called Young People Fucking, which the creator of Blindspot actually directed, Martin Garrow. Anyway, it's mm-hmm. all it all goes very deep. But uh, yeah, so his his character's name is Boston, and someone on Twitter figured out our, our ship name was Bitch, because it's rich in Boston. Very clever. I jumped right on that. Yeah. So, okay, so you're wondering if we're going to get back together? Well, see, here's the thing. We've got this whole dynamic now where they've been going back and forth. And yeah. they were together, then they were apart, and then Rich is longing for him last year, and it was, you know, he's with someone else. And now we have this whole dynamic where Boston is honing in on Rich's territory. Yeah, he's possibly. trying to steal my job. I don't know. I, I mean, if he's trying to get me win me back, that's not the way to do it. Right, you know I mean? right. I'll, I'll say this, though. I'll definitely say that we haven't seen the last of Bitch. How's that? There's plenty coming up. It's episode five that just aired, I think, right? When does this yeah. come out? This will actually come out the week after Thanksgiving. Oh, week after Thanksgiving. Oh, so there's going to be... Like two weeks mm-hmm. in between. But I don't think there's one... The week of Thanksgiving, there's not a new Listen, one, right? the, your question will take a very different shape in a couple of weeks. Ah, Let me tell you that. Okay. All right? So, yeah. Yeah. There's, there, Josh is on the show a bunch, and it's great. I can't say anything else besides that, but, uh, but yeah, don't worry. Don't okay. you worry. Well, look, they're right in the middle of something, right? He's setting up this fake hack thing, and uh, Remy's messing with him, and who knows? You'll see. You'll see. There's lots. Okay. If you're talking about specifically us kissing again, I can't give that away. Mm-hmm. We can all hope, though. <laughs> yeah, sure. So when we talk about Boston, you know, he is the only one that we've not- has, has noticed immediately that Jane is not Jane. I mean, his, like, your whole vibe is angrier thing. Yeah, and he, and he why do you that think that quick. is? I just think it's, I thought that was just funny that like it's all happening under everyone's nose. We should all be ashamed of ourselves, quite frankly, that no one's figuring it out. I mean, even, even her, her husband is like not really that aware that something's going on. But I love that in that first scene, he's just like, what's with you? You look different. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. He's just a, he's a, he's a very observant fellow, you know? Apparently you're not. That's such a shame. How dare you? <laughs> Rich. How dare you? Was that just all a setup to insult me? That's <laughs> really <laughs> Really, we gotta do this for an hour. This is gonna be rough. This is like a, it's like a Dean Martin roast. Oh no! <laughs> I wish. Hmm. No, no, no I've tried to play it like I've tried to play it like I've noticed things about her that seem off, but I don't think that's the first thing you think. Like, hmm, 
Has this person reverted to the evil villain they were before the chemically induced mind erasing agent changed them into the good person they are today? That's not exactly the first thing that comes off the top of your head when you're trying to figure out. Like, usually you might be like, are you okay? Are you having a bad day? Was it something you ate? You know what I mean? I don't know. I mean, there's some pretty big leaps when the, with the tattoos. Like, it's not there that are. strange for that show. I mean, you've seen the show, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the show trades in pretty huge leaps. We're jumping sharks constantly. And yet it somehow um, works. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you did watch her murder someone with a katana. So that's sort of, you know, red flag. I did, but she also was, like, requesting to be killed with honor in battle. You know, that was... That was uh, it takes two people to kill somebody with a katana. You know what I mean? That's the expression, right? It takes two to katana. Yeah, I think that's like the title of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. There you go. It takes two to katana. All right. I wanted to, to segue actually into, a, I, I apologize, a serious question about oh, Rich. Well, I accept your apology and I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> because, you know, one of the things that we sort of know about Rich is that he, 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 he thrives on self-gratification. So, Back last season when he, he rejected the golden parachute that Hearst threw at him, just just betray your friends, you get out of the FBI, you're yeah. free, you're clear. That was pretty shocking for other people, but I it was a major, you know, crossing the Rubicon moment. And I was interested in what did you think as an actor is playing is is inhabiting Rich? When do you think he got to this point where he was ready to take this essential leap of faith and support his friends over his own self-interest see here's what's interesting it's a good i like this question a lot but i i think that ultimately rich is always looking about like looking for the best deal Mm -hmm. and the best sort of i don't want to call it a scam but like he's always kind of finding the right angles right and i'm not saying that he obviously doesn't sincerely feel something for the people he's working with now after having been apprehended and committing all these crimes and changing his tune to some extent. But uh, I just think that when when uh, Hearst offered him that deal that last year, it wasn't the he, the offer he had was actually better. You see what I'm saying? Like, there's things that Rich can do in the FBI that he has the authority and the empowerment to do that he couldn't do as a, as a standalone criminal. So I'm just saying, like, there there's more to it, I think, than him just becoming, like, a good guy. Because, you know what I mean? He's... He's, uh, I find this, and they, they write it to this extent too, that there's always kind of these other layers coming out and you never know how much you can trust him. So I, in a way, I'm delighted that you saw that as like, oh, look how, how, how uh, trustworthy he is now. And he wouldn't take this deal for them. I didn't take that deal. You know what I mean? Rich didn't take that deal. Uh-huh. That doesn't mean he won't take a better deal at some point down the line. I see. Okay. See what I'm saying? And that just makes it more, that makes it more fun to play too, is if I'm just right. running into like, Full. I think he almost kind of like resents that he cares about these people a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's like people, you know, it's like when, they, when like you, you realize you're in love with somebody and you didn't really want to be. Yeah. And you're like, well, now I have, <laughs> now I care. And now they're not like, you're checking your phone to see if they texted you back. And you're like, nobody wants this. I care about this person. I'm getting, they're hurting my feelings. I hate this. You know what I mean? So it can be, it can be stressful to care about somebody and to want someone's attention. So I think it's annoying to him that, he can't help but worry about these new friends that have taken him in. So, I feel that way about my kids. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Well, I don't want to care about my God. kids. Yeah. What are they doing? They're being so cute. They're drawing pictures of me and stuff. And, ah, it's yeah, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. You, you said, you know, Rich can get something, access and, and things that he can do within the FBI. And I was wondering, you know, his fascination with the Book of the Secrets, yeah. to me, at least plays into this sort of, Play, similar as his hacking and i was wondering if this is just me or if this is you know you as well yeah uh, where it's this like need and desire for knowledge beyond what other people have access that other people have is that sort of like a primal kind of drive for him oh for sure he always wants to have something over on people in the room you know what i mean he's like the ultimate like uh it's a weird kind of subversive alpha in a way where he just will do what it takes to have the upper hand on everybody. So I think his obsessions, and I mean, you know, it's, I really, he's getting more done in his day than Beyonce, quite frankly. But uh, if you look at all that book of secrets research, I would have taken years, but um, yeah, I think ultimately he just wants to have, uh, have the upper hand in whatever form that takes, you know, and he's noticed like during the course of the show, he's got keys to everybody's apartments. He knows everybody's pin numbers, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. Like they, 
they just sort of take for granted. Like he would never have been able to get that access if he wasn't working on FBI computers. And we're not, we're just sort of at the tip of the iceberg of the stuff that he can get away with using the FBI's resources. So mm-hmm. let's just say he's not totally on the force of good uh, entirely yeah. at this point. I don't think yeah. anybody expects Rich to ever be totally good. <laughs> sure, sure. It's fun to play like he's got some humanity for a while, though, that's for sure. All right, right. Well, yeah. along those lines, along those lines, he is a larger than life character, and it's one of those things when you play a larger than life character. When we watch that, that you know, he was in season one, he was there for a couple of episodes, and the season two, and he'd show up and he'd shake their world and disappear for a while. Yeah. Uh, but now, with him, now with him being a regular, you can't necessarily do all of the complete. You know, it, it's it has to be sort of balanced out a little bit. Yeah. So I, I guess I want to ask you about what is it like for you trying to find that balance for Rich so that he's fitting in but not, you know, sort of uh, uh, adding his, you know, the the extra Rich.com charm (laughs) without being overwhelming? And and how does that work for you? By overwhelming, you mean annoying, don't you? No, I, I am a long time. I, I've loved Rich from the beginning, so I'm sort I, I of... Me a, too, but he's he's, anno- he's an annoying person, you know what I mean? So, uh, it's been fun. <laughs> Honestly, like, I, there's a few things I like more than other people getting mad at me in the scenes. Like, it's really fun and satisfying to get to irritate other people on wow. camera. And uh, with that in mind, I think part of Rich's fit in the FBI is that he's almost kind of doing this like he's role-playing that he's good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's trying this on for a while to see how it goes. Like I always, I try to keep it in turn. Like, you know, we're saying such kind of over the top stuff every week, like, you know, the bomb set to go off in two hours or whatever, like just insane stuff or like, or, or like their sleeper cells activating today. Like it's all really intense, immediate, mm-hmm. urgent stuff. So I think for Rich, it's almost like, you know, he, he definitely started off as a, as a, as a hedonist and as a, someone who just is like a voluptuary, just kind of gorges on life. And this is sort of a weird, uh, it's almost like a kink for him to be, to be on this side of good with these ex- extreme stakes. So I think that's part of what's fun. Like, you know, just because there's a dramatic intense scene, it doesn't mean he's not having a ball, like touching that, you know, touching that stove and seeing how hot it gets. And so that's, that's sort of the way I've been trying to keep it. Like some scenes don't call for out and out comedy, but I think that's where the character can kind of shine through. And it's, it's, uh, it's interesting to see what it's like for him to go through those stakes day to day and actually have people that he cares about and balance it with kind of a more adventurous sort of, I don't want to say nihilistic, but just like adrenaline junkie kind of a spirit that he has. That's cool. So can I ask, because I see, I see a, a similarity in the sort of, I don't know, maybe some of the attitude with, with you in Blindspot and in Red Oaks. Uh-huh. And, and I'm curious because it feels like every time you're on screen, like you just totally steal the steal the scene, no matter who else is there, what they're doing. And, oh boy! I mean, is that ever like a you have to like tone it down? Like in your head, you're like, it's not my turn to be everybody's focus. <laughs> that's funny. I mean, that's really the director's job. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's there's definitely you know there's some scenes where like uh, it, it depends on the project. You know what I mean? I just uh, I just finished up a little run on uh, Shit's Creek. Love Shit's and Creek. So I'm going to be in the in the new season for a few episodes, and uh, you know that that's that was a complete different sort of challenge because I'm I'm basically the straight man to everybody that's 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 there, and you know it it's it's sort of depends on the writing and what it's supported by, and and honestly, like if the director wants me to tone it down, I'll tone it down. It's it's just about experience and getting a good read on on what the scene's about. You know, I'm never in there going like, oh, I'm just going to make a mess of the scene. But if the if the character calls for it and then the uh, the stakes of the scene call for it, sure, why not? I mean, that's sort of more of a function of the personalities of the people I might be playing. I mean, it is fun to know you might be getting laughs, but you're never trying to like, you know, actually dominate a scene and and at the at the detriment of other actors in the scene. It's just sort of bringing what the script says to life. So it, it depends on the project. I can play calm people who are subdued. So, <laughs> well, you did in Miss Sloan, right? I am capable. Yeah, sure, Miss Sloan. That guy, that guy was just trying to keep his job. Yeah, you know what I mean, he was in over his head, and yeah. So there's plenty of stuff where uh, it depends on what it's called for, really. And I mean, this 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 guy, Rich is by function, he's designed to disrupt things, you know. And I mean, on Red Oaks, Nash is more of a. I think he's doing it just to just to make himself. Like, it's all he can do to keep from killing himself, maybe, or get, get out of bed in the morning. Because if he doesn't think, like, there's more to life than 
what he's doing and if he can't squeeze every last you know it's like you have a friend who like calls everything epic yeah. and you're like we, di- we didn't nothing really epic happened like we just walked by toby mcguire it's not a big deal you know what i mean like <laughs> Just as an example, I don't know. I just pulled that name out of my, my hat. But, <laughs> like, uh, is this like personal? You were like, dude. No, you know what I mean. Spider Man, like, it's no okay. Way. Like people are just like, oh my god, this 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 <laughs> mocha latte is so good, it's epic. And it's like it's just a coffee. You know what I mean? Take it easy. So I think like Nash is always trying to find the the sort of legendary element of things, even when it's not called for. So those are th- th- they're different personalities in that way for sure. But all I'm saying is I don't need I don't need to be the focus of attention. I just end up getting parts that are like that for some reason, probably based on my real life. Yeah. Well, you're also really good at it. So probably oh, maybe has oh, something. I love, stealing, I love stealing focus. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> so since you brought it up, can I ask about Schitt's Creek? Can you tell us anything about it, or is it? Like- I think I've told you pretty much all I can tell you. I don't I don't even know when it's coming out the new season, but uh, yeah, that and I'm not too over the top. That's okay. all. Okay. And they're all just delightful to work with, and really, they're it was hilarious. a blast. That show is such a gem. Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing. Oh, it's a ride. oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's funny. It's funny that um, Kelsey sees, you know, your role in Red Oak. Uh, when I was seeing Wexler, I've been comparing and contrasting Rich with Wexler on Dark Matter. Yeah. Because uh, I see a lot of similar traits uh personality traits and uh attitudes and kind of the same sort of mannerisms yeah and that's, that's a bit that's a bit more of a there's i think there's more overlap not that it's a contest uber you didn't do anything wrong don't worry but uh <laughs> I, do, I definitely think they're more they're more of a of a sort those two characters well well i i was i was very happy when wexler got spaced i'm just gonna throw that out <laughs> well he was a real <laughs> bastard he did he definitely didn't have any of the more endearing qualities that rich has you know i think that's the difference is that uh wexler is legit a dirtbag and doesn't actually like people and is all about what it, what's in it for him whereas rich i think enjoys at least maybe if it's even if it's on a perverse level he enjoys the interactions and learning about people and you know is willing to give credit and things like that and wexler's all about just angling for himself i mean he does get killed you know so it's not like <laughs> clearly he's he's not that redeemable yeah, that, that didn't really work for him uh, in in the original universe. But what about this, the alternate universe Wexler that we started to get to know? Is he yeah. exactly like our Wexler, or did he learn anything? Or because uh, near the end of the 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 show, he was starting to become sort of a ally ish, yeah. unwilling ally, but sort of there, forced to be there. <laughs> he didn't yeah, really- I, you know. Yeah, it's sort of a different circumstance that uh, that Wexler encountered the rest of the crew of the Raza there because, um, you know, he was sort of... Yeah, I think that, that, that's the idea, is that there's subtle tweaks that sort of ha- may have happened off-screen before you get introduced to the characters that make them different. And mm-hmm. I think uh, I think more it was more circumstantial, but, the you know, the the, the first time we met Wexler in, Wexler in the universe we knew, things were a lot more contentious and, mm-hmm. uh, and combative, whereas the second go-round, it was more... You know, so many circumstances were different. And I think you got to see a different side of him because he was working with a different side of other people, too. So, But boy, oh boy, I'm bummed that got canceled. I was excited to see where that was going to go, too. Right. Well, what did you what did you want to have? If, if you could kind of write or, or decide where you, where Wexler would go, yeah. what would you have liked to have seen happen with Wexler? Well, I think there was some, some implication or some intimation that... Uh, and not just from me, but from the the people who created the show, that uh, that Wexler might have enjoyed a, lar- a larger role within the crew. So that would have been that would have been amazing to see, you know, how far how far his uh, his tendencies or or his uh, potential for some sort of good would go and trump his his need to uh, to be looking out for himself the whole time. So I was very excited to see where that was going to go. And that show is like constantly. The twists and turns are endless on that, similar to Blind Spot, I guess, in, in ways. But uh, once you introduce alternate universes, who knows how many Wexlers there could be? So think about that before you go to sleep tonight. We'd have to get so many more toothpicks. Oh, no. So uh, I'm not sure if you've seen Joe Malozzi tweeted out yesterday. Yeah. About. Oh, the... I saw it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, is that one like you were like, oh, yeah, call me up, I'm on board? Yeah, I'm available. Sure, if he wants me to be a part of it, I'd love to. I loved working on that show. 
Yeah, you're actually our our third person from Dark Matter we've had on the podcast. Joe came on, nice. Jeff Teravainen. So uh, we're big Dark Matter fans. So obviously yeah, that's great. We would uh, Me too. we'd be pumped for that. Me, I, I, as would I. Are you into sort of genre kind of sh- like? Do you enjoy in your off time sci-fi fantasy kind of stuff? Or you what kind of stuff do you watch? Let's see. Not not as not not so much. Not per se. Like I, I got into Dark Matter, you know, being on it, and it's just great to have some. Like Zoe Palmer and I went to theater school together in university so it was great to see her on the show and and i grew to really love the just the mythology of the whole thing but uh i can't say as i watch that much sci-fi stuff in general what am i watching right now uh i started i, I just finished watching season one of uh, patriots on uh, amazon i've heard good on prime it's phenomenal it's really one of the most airtight shows i've ever seen it's so tense and so sweet and so beautiful and funny and weird and it's like the Coen brothers did uh, directed the Born Identity. Like it's really unlike anything I've ever seen before on TV. But uh, yeah, I've definitely been watching that. I watched the first couple episodes of Forever that uh, Maya Rudolph, Fred Armisen show. Have you seen this thing? Mm. It's also on Amazon. Can you tell I like I'm into Amazon? I swear to God, I don't work for them anymore. But I'm plugging <laughs> up. Uh, that one actually has some, I guess you could say some genre elements that you don't see coming right away and. Uh, uh, other than that, uh, no, I don't know. What about you guys? What are you watching? Blind Spot. No. <laughs> I, right, I do watch Blind Spot. I do try to watch it every Friday. But, uh, no, I've been catching up. I've been trying to catch up on old movies because we made a we made a reference to uh, Misery in an upcoming episode. Oh, okay. And I hadn't seen. I hadn't actually watched Misery, so I watched it like uh, two weekends ago. It's great. Wow. It's, I need to. It's wa- really I, I don't think I've ever seen it actually. Oh man. It's it's fantastic. It's really it's really messed up. It's it's funny because it's sort of of a time, you know. The score is a little in, it's a little overly overbearing, uh, but uh, Kathy Bates is great and James Conn is great. And it do you, are you familiar with the story? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, know yeah, a bit. Know about yeah, it, I mean, but yeah. I mean, I, I you know, it's it's a writer writing about having a, an obsessive fan that stalks him. So I guess he's writing from what he knows or something like that. But. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was cool. And I remember being a kid in the marketing for that because there's this particularly gruesome scene that occurs that I don't want to spoil it. I mean, I I'm saying spoiler alert. It's like a 28-year-old movie. Yeah. I, don't uh, think you have to sp- I, don't, I don't think you have to give the alert. <laughs> there's a scene where Kathy Bates... So, yeah, James Conn plays like a, this this author who's stuck writing uh, these like ever-popular uh, series of books. But, he, you know, he, it's too lucrative for him to stop. But he has this obsessive fan and there's a car accident and she ends up finding him because it turns out she's been following him around and she's a nurse and takes care of him. And then there's a scene where she finds out because he he's hobbled completely, like his legs are destroyed, but he starts to slip out because she's got like a temper problem and she might be bipolar and might be manic depressive and all these other things and just might be straight up psychotic. And uh, yeah, there's a scene where she puts a wood block between his legs and smashes his feet with a mallet. And Oh my God, it's so messed up. And I remember that even the ad campaigns for that, like I was like 12 years old and they were, they were teasing it, and it was one of those things where you, you know, pre-internet, where you could really manage to not get things spoiled if you, if you didn't yeah. talk to your friends about it. You know what I mean? And no, and like even the press and everything was was in on the surprise of it. So things like that. And you're like, uh, go yeah. watch it. It's amazing. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. <laughs> yeah it, was, it was pretty. Uh, it was rough, man. It was actually well, well done for in terms of effects too, like practical effects. So. Yeah, oh yeah. Really cool. Yeah. That was, I remember that movie. It's been a long time, but I remember being very horrified. It was just terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. And I mean, there's certain things that are, you know, if you were to unpack them in terms of the 2018 filter, like it's, you know, an obsessive female character, like a fan or the male writer, like the gender dynamics that, that get factored in. If you sort of look at it through, uh, you know, the representational filters of what's getting made now and the kinds of roles there are it's it parts of it parts of it are i guess somewhat you could say problematic but it's still got some great stuff to it i mean you could do that with any movie at this point like yeah. anything that came out more than three or four years ago has has huge problems of representation really but not everything <laughs> but but yeah i mean there's still a lot to and the whole thing like my i was talking to a friend of mine she's like the whole thing seems like a metaphor for having like a stressful work deadline because he ends up basically being like kidnapped and forced into writing a book which you know it could be could be considered like a statement on the creative process and big business and all that stuff. So that, it's all in there. You know what I mean? Right. So as you're talking mm-hmm. about these sort of casting dynamics and, and diversity and stuff, and I know that, you know, 
something that is maybe getting slightly better, but still an issue is um, typecasting yeah. for Middle Eastern a- actors. Or actors hey, in, yeah. And you're Turkish American, correct? I'm Turkish Canadian. Turkish Canadian, sorry. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I I'm one known of those, that. Uh, I'm. I'm. An, I'm. I'm just stealing American jobs like the rest of these immigrants. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Just sneak, oh, I just God. snuck into your country, uh, and now I'm just stealing your jobs. Came in a caravan. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. So I came in a Dodge yeah. caravan. It's just, yeah. it's just a minivan. It was my Uber there today. I had some. <laughs> I had some shopping bags to put in the back. So. Yeah. So do you feel like you have been able to maneuver around that typecasting or is that something that you've had to fight against? Uh, it, it's, it's an interesting thing to look back. I think I've been plenty fortunate to get the kind of roles that, uh, I don't know, it's like the ethnicity, like on something like Blindspot, it's not relevant at all. And in, in a way that seems that seems like a good thing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's almost like, you know, a lot of times I remember when I was starting out and this is the thing is it takes time. You try to get footholds. Like I've played terrorists and things before. I was in like a mini series about the about the, the called the path to nine eleven. So it's not like not like I'm not aware that those jobs are out there. But I mean, there's a lot of times where you can't really. It's tough to you know if you're if you're beggars can't be choosers in a way in certain in certain extents. You know what I mean? But I, I think as you as you get on in your career, hopefully you have the ability to make some to make some choices and say yes and no about stuff. But no, I've been extremely fortunate that. Uh, you know, like uh, on Red Oaks, the character was more overtly, it, it, albeit ambiguously, ethnic, in a way that I think serves the character too. Because the few times that they mention the race of the character, it's sort of more reflective on the rich, out of touch, uh, right. you know, um, uh, clientele, clients, yeah. members of the of the country club, sort of being like, hey, he's Egyptian, he's Turkish, who knows what he is? You know what I mean? It's more, it's not like played as a joke. Like the joke's more on them that they don't know, but. Mm-hmm. No, there's been a lot of stuff where, you know, I remember auditioning for things where if it didn't say all ethnicities welcome, I wasn't going out for that part. You know what I mean? So uh, mm-hmm. being unknown and not being white didn't necessarily serve me well at the beginning of my career. But I I think I, I've been fortunate enough to work with enough producers that have either realized it doesn't matter or have been like, well, let's not let's not shy away from it. Then what is your background? Like I, I worked on a show called The Listener in Canada. Uh, for five seasons and they actually made the character Turkish because I'm Turkish so that was just it wasn't really relevant until there was like an episode about my parents and you know they were trying things out and it was it was they owned a restaurant which I guess is kind of sometimes the only way they can manifest like ethnicity on TV is if your parents own some small business and it had a folksy quality to it which might seem out of date now but uh, you know there's different ways that that uh, all this stuff can be addressed you know it's it's Sometimes you see good representation being like, ah, in this role, it doesn't matter where your background is. And why do we even have to mention it? We wouldn't mention it if you were white, et cetera, et cetera. But there's other times where it's hugely significant, the background right. of the character. You know what I mean? So right. it's all a dance. It's tricky because every it feels like every project where it's at all addressed, it gets held up as the be all and end all of every project that mm-hmm. that came before it and after it. You know what I mean? So it's always complicated. But even if you look at like movies where... You know, like something like what when Bridesmaids came out and people were going on about how like oh women, female forward comedies work and it's like what if well what if it hadn't you know and right. suddenly they're not going to give money to to things like that and I know the the reboot of Ghostbusters was a big deal and you know uh, things like that like it become the referendum on what you're going to make afterwards and you could definitely poke into I mean I'm not that I want to wade back into the the ridiculous debate people had over the sanctity of the original Ghostbusters movie but uh, a lot of times these things are sort of just as cynical as they were when they were just putting men in these movies you know what yeah, i mean like yeah they're still trying to make money and capitalize on what people want to see it's just uh you know when it comes to giving people jobs there's been a lot of progress made so i i, I gotta count myself lucky and it's such a, a finicky complicated business in that way but you know the people that have come up to me and been like hey it's cool i look like you and you're on tv that's you know oh i never would have thought of that like i didn't grow up there's, there's no turkish characters on tv we're not we're not like a a systemically oppressed minority group in North America for the most part, as far as I know. But, uh, like usually if you want to slander a Turkish person, you have to add, add like the word dirty in front of it or something like, you know what I mean? The slurs aren't really all there for us. That was supposed to be a joke. I don't know yeah, if it landed. No, yeah, no, I, I was <laughs> like, yeah, there's one of those where I was like, that was funny. Am I allowed to laugh at that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you know, I, I, I did, I, when I did stand up, I had a bit about that. Like people don't really have, there's no real slur. Like you have to put like scheming, or something in front of it to make yeah. it a slur. You know yeah. what I mean? Turk on its own can be very flattering. Big Turk, for example, you know. Uh, 
but yeah, so I, 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 you know, not to not to just center myself in it because it's I've definitely been very lucky. It seems like there's at least a it's something I think about constantly. And you know, even on on Red Oaks, there was I, I was thinking about what what this character was saying about the fact he was Middle Eastern, what he was trying to get away from, what he was trying to do. And it's not like you know these things exist in real life. People have to. Feel like uh, my whole life when I was a kid, I wanted like straight blonde hair so I could have a, a mullet. You know what I mean? Which is ridiculous to me now to think about. And I'm grateful my parents didn't let me do that. But uh, the, the identity politics exist for people in the world, so they should. You know, why should they be erased from characters in in film and TV? You know, so that's that's another element. It's like, yeah, anybody can play any part, but if certain people are playing certain parts. There's uh, new things might be relevant that weren't before, and it's 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 up to everybody that's doing something creative to at least contemplate what that what that means and what that puts forward. You know. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I one of the shows that I'm a, a big fan of um, is um, Six. Well, was Six got canceled uh, about yeah. the, the SEAL team, and Jalen Moore played the first um, Afghani American Navy SEAL uh, on TV, and that was really cool. And I know, like talking, I got to interview him and talking to him, and he was like. Sort of what you said, like, people are like, wow, there's someone who looks like me who's playing, like, the good guy with a gun. Yeah. And in that show, they did address that he was Afghani, you know, um, background and, and stuff. And it was it was interesting. So I appreciate, yeah. you, I appreciate you taking the time to answer that. Hey, it's my pleasure. And I think that something like, uh, you know, I mean, Red Oaks was definitely supposed to be about, it was a very auteur kind of personal experience of somebody working at a country club that was, you know, there's primarily white characters in that show. I mean, obviously, if you, they, a, a lot of them are... Or Jewish, so it's not just you know. There's there's different elements of identity politics going in there, but uh, yeah, on something like Blind Spot, they really don't shy away from it at all, and the representation on the show is pretty phenomenal. Whether or not it's a character who's not necessarily defined by their their ethnicity or their background, but or or whether it's just a character that just happens to work in the FBI, you know, they're doing all kinds of they're 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 doing good things. I I'm happy to be on a show that actually is is uh, n- not colorblind in their casting, but just treating it like. Like, you know, there's there's all kinds of reasons people don't get jobs, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that eliminating that is the only reason, like, people in their imaginations can think further, like, oh, I never pictured this character as white. Like, why does it matter? You know what I mean? Right. Things like that. So those things are shifting, I think, because people's perception. Like, when I was coming up, the idea of leading men were always, you know, white, probably clean-shaven, probably had blonde or brown hair, and you know what I mean? Like, looked yeah. traditionally were kind of fit. Like, I'm I'm just as happy to be a little bit overweight and being on TV too. You know, there's also that, like there's all kinds of different ways that, that uh, it takes people, gatekeepers, people that are producing shows, you know what, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's yeah. not like I, I, my whole life I've been like, Oh, I wish I was a little thinner. And now it's like, Oh cool. I get to be on a network series and my weight isn't really relevant. It's not the butt of any jokes and I can just be, be comfortable you. in yeah. my, in my stretchy uh, harem pants that I'm wearing on the show. <laughs> it's like the perfect role. <laughs> I have a very comfortable life. Yeah. My wardrobe on the show could not be more suited to my uh, my decadent lifestyle. Let me tell you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I, I got to ask you um, just more about Blind Spot. I know you can't say a lot, but what can you tease anything about what's coming up for Rich or for the show in general? Because um, all I can tell you, while the while like I noticed the sniper on the rooftop across the street from me, is uh, the show <laughs> airs Fridays at eight. <laughs> Hold on, I'm just going to give him the big thumbs up. Okay, and he's, he's, taking the, he's taking the laser scope off of his rifle. Okay, we're good. That's Jerry. He's great. He just follows me around whenever I do podcast interviews. He thinks I don't see him. I see you, Jerry. I see you. He's sweet. I got to get him. I got to add him to my Christmas card list. So that's a no on the spoilers. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? I gave a great spoiler. I told you when the next one's going to be on TV. It's going to be on next Friday. <laughs> well, I, I, then, I'll, then I'll follow up on something you probably can answer with a little yes. bit more comfort and hopefully no uh, laser points uh, aimed at your body. So mm-hmm. you should be okay. I wanted to ask you about voice acting because oh. I just I just tripped over a little show <laughs> called Little Big, Little Big Awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and and I I just I just there, I I don't even know how to ask the questions I want to ask, but I, I guess I want to start with essentially, um, what is it like inhabiting an animated character, and and how do you how do you kind of get into that as opposed to physically being you know on a set with other actors? 
how does how does that all work out? I'll, I'll ask the sanest question I can possibly ask about okay. that show. Did you have you seen the show? I've seen some of the show, and <laughs> my my to... daughters watch the show. Oh no, kidding! <laughs> yeah, I have a, a two year old and seven year old. They watch it, and it is like the weirdest show. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's really crazy. I, I'm I'm so like tickled that I have friends who's who have kids that can watch the show. And honestly, like I've I've gone I've always wanted to do cartoons, and for some reason I've always found the audition process very stressful and sort of counterintuitive for me. So I haven't gotten any cartoon work uh, before Little Big Awesome, which is also a Prime, an Amazon Prime video show. Not that I'm plugging <laughs> them, I swear to God, but they have some great programming, some of which I'm a part of. Um, <laughs> But the funny, I'll tell you the funny thing about that show is that when I, uh, I didn't audition for it, which was incredible. It was a gift. And, uh, but they, when I was set to record for it, they basically contacted me and they were like, oh, we'd love you to do the show. I was like, oh, that sounds great. I'd love to. I was working on something else at the time. So I was like, okay, well, let me know and I'll, you know, prep for it and all that. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, we're shooting, we're recording tomorrow and we're doing five episodes. And I'm like, uh, at this point I didn't realize they were 11 minute episodes, but it turned out that they hired me because they saw Red Oaks. And they thought the accent I had on Red Oaks was how I actually talked. Oh. So I, they didn't really, I, I mean, which is really, is there a better compliment? But it was also very stressful because suddenly I was like, oh, no, I, I have to work on that accent. That's not how I speak at all. So <laughs> we had a whole conversation and I bought myself some time. And But I mean, it's a very bizarre, you know, I, you know, I, know, that, I know when you see sort of, you know, uh, behind the scenes shots of people doing cartoons, it's all famous actors sort of standing around making each other laugh with headphones on. But a lot of the time in cartoons, you're doing it on your own and you're lining up, you're, you're basically just recording your dialogue in a row and a director and, and engineers or everybody are in the other room, you know, shaping the performance to what they already have, depending on whether or not, you know, the animation has been done. Sometimes they animate first, you fit the voices in, sometimes they do it the other way around. You know, it's pretty cool on this one. I think they do it, they do it uh, where they record the voices first. So if you do end up ad-libbing something, it'll make it into the show, things like that, you know, so... Uh, the the process was very freewheeling in that way, but um, it's t- it's the, just completely the opposite of acting as I know it and as I am comfortable with it. Because you know, you talk about like scene stealing or whatever it is, you can't really do that if there's no one to steal it from. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you're just in a room by yourself. There's but truly like the the kind of acting that I studied was very much based on observing the people in a scene with you, uh, listening, having an organic reason to respond, things like that. So having nothing there to act with is very bizarre to me. So I'm, I'm grateful that when I watch the show, I still feel weird watching it. Like it's like watching my, you know, it's like hearing my voice recorded for the first time all over again. So it's very strange, very strange to me. So with that, I mean, because I, I know I've, I've heard like, don't act, react, right? Like react to other people (laughs) and and you can't do that. And not only can you not do that, you, you voice 12 characters. I mean, yeah, definitely Sue. And I play this little worm that lives inside the pom pom of one of the two main characters. It's a wild show, man. It's a wild show. But yeah, yeah sort of as we were going on, I'm playing like, you know, a lot of times just in, in different uh, episodes, they'll need a, just a two lines of a, like a bed or a chair or a nervous giraffe or a security camera. Because a lot of things talk in this world. So uh, then you're kind of just kind of coming up with it on the spot and trying different ways out. Like the directors are you know, usually veterans of the of the industry that have done voice work themselves and even created cartoons. So I was in very good hands working with them. The show is, is really cute. Um, it's, it is so weird. And I it honestly, is. it's one of those, like I kind of, it was on in the background and then I turned and there's this like hamster on the screen and the yep. body is a hamster, but the arms are, the arms are cartoon. And he's like, yeah, hamsters lifting clouds. And I was like, what are you watching? <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty trippy. It, it does a good job of actually being the kind of show where you could watch it with your kids and still be pretty entertained by it. Yeah, trippy so. as in, like, pretty sure the writers were. Yeah, which is a great way to watch, you know, I mean, have some have some, uh, some sugary beverages and watch the show, you know. Go wild, man. Not have exactly some Smarties, what I thought, but yeah. Uber and our time. Cups. We, we were talking yeah, about really that before. you like you're tripping on sugary yeah. candies. That's what you're sugary talking about, Sugary candies, right? candy? yep. Lots, yeah. lots yeah. of sugar. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> I, I gotta ask, uh, since since you are um, not gonna give us any spoilers about Blind Spot, other than a new episode on Friday, per- perhaps you could let hey, that's us know. A pretty if- big spoiler. I don't tell that to just anybody. You know, you guys, you guys got the exclusive. <laughs> oh wow! Can can we, can we announce that as a, a big time exclusive for our podcast? Yeah. 
Yeah. Awesome. That it, it will be on this the same time this week that it was last week. We will yeah. highlight that. Sure. Pretty big deal. Um, uh, well, what, what are you working on anything now um, or like any current projects that you're working on that you're going to be announcing soon or anything you want to tease about other projects that you might be on? Uh, you already mentioned Tish Creek. Is there anything else you, you, you can share with us about um, other projects? You know what? Yeah, I mean, I'm working at pretty much all the time on Blindspot. I'm going to be doing, uh, I work on a show called You, Me, Her. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm going to be heading to Vancouver next week to shoot some more episodes of that. So that's a lot of fun. Speaking of another very different role from Rich.com, like playing a, a married father of two, uh, two little girls, which could not be further from my actual life experience. <laughs> so that to me is almost a, a harder challenge than playing a dark web hacking uh bisexual hedonist who works for the fbi <laughs> you know what I mean? so like yeah playing a guy who has the patience to raise children i think that's the, really the acting challenge of my life but uh, uh that'll be which uh, and i say that i say that with nothing but respect for anybody that has kids but boy oh boy i don't think i could do it um yeah. aside from that you ha- how many kids do you have uh, i have two uber has no kids and, okay. and and trust me i sometimes feel like i don't know how anybody does this <laughs> no i, no, I yeah. feel like that all the time not sometimes. How old, are, how old are your kids? Two and seven. Oh, wow. There you go. You're right in the middle of it. Yeah. <laughs> I have like an angel and then like a little tiny demon. Ah, okay. Right. That's that's how that goes. Right. Are you planning on having any more? No. No, no. No? No. <laughs> no. Well. no. If, if we'd had the second one first, we'd have been a one child only family. <laughs> now, let me ask you, but I mean, that's sort of, I've been, I've been talking about like birth order hierarchy and how it lends itself to certain kinds of personalities. I was talking with some people at work about that. Now, was the angel always an angel? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. you know, she's always, she, part of hers is she has anxiety. And so she likes to please. Hers is like social yeah. anxiety. So she is a rule follower. Um, she's always been like more emotionally volatile, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. But like the little one, she's just chill. She don't give a shit. So she's, you're like, <laughs> no. And she's like, um, yeah. Oh, um, so... Wow. Yeah. It's so wild to me to think about like there's a certain thing that you can never really experience unless you've been in it. Like I, I'm an only child, but think of the idea of like you have a you have a, a son or a daughter and you know the, the the center of your world if you're if you're in a situation where you have wh- whatever it is birth parent I'm trying to be I'm trying to cover all the bases for different different family structures, but you know you're raised by your parents and all of a sudden they have another another kid and if you're like three, four years old, you're seeing your parents through a completely different filter than than you ever got to see before and that no one else got to see of you in that way. Do you see what I'm saying? Where like, it's the kind of thing where like, what, you know, the, the jealousy that a kid must feel or whatever, whatever yeah. feelings that are drummed up by watching your parents suddenly give attention to another human. Yeah. That's something you can't you can't really teach or explain that to anybody. You know that feels I mean? like such and, an actor thing to say. Like, well, and, like it's a true. It's totally true. But it's a viewpoint I hadn't thought about it that way. Well, no, think about it. Like, I mean, imagine being five years old and you got your parents, and suddenly you got this new little baby that you have some understanding of how these things work. Like, you know, you're not in school yeah. yet or anything like that, and you don't have the perspective to go, "Oh, this is weird. I shouldn't be resentful of them." Here's why. You know what I mean? You're just yeah. fully emotionally present and in it as a kid as a toddler, as a baby, watching a complete world shift. I, I just find that so fascinating. Yeah. And it kind of, you know, it, of course, people, that's why people have those personalities, because it's hard to break out of something when you don't have the perspective or the capacity even to have perspective on what it is that's changing in your world, let alone control over your own emotions. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Oh, so I, I no, want to clarify. I just find that stuff so fascinating. Yeah. When I said, like, it's an actor thing to say, I didn't mean that as, a, like, an insult. I just meant because of that, like, uh, observational thing I think yeah. that we've talked to people where they're like I'm always watching other people and how they act so I can bring that into my roles and that's yeah. all I meant was like that felt like a such an actor no no you meant snobby yeah, no you meant I didn't snobby. mean snobby <laughs> which we all are but uh, yeah that, that kind of thing just fascinates me because it can you know you think about like people's relationship with uh, holidays whatever whatever you know, if it's Christmas or Halloween or whatever it is that like you know I find myself resenting the feeling that I'm missing out on certain holidays, I don't really participate in that much. Or if you start to unpack things like Thanksgiving, where there's obviously really complicated and oftentimes uh, negative histories for different people and different mm-hmm. different uh, groups based on who they are and what they, you know what I mean? And just just the idea of some of these things we celebrate are really are really actually fucked up. 
you know, and maybe not even worth celebration. So a lot of those things get cultivated as kids, you know, like they're, they're things that, and they're things that like parents are trying to do to celebrate their children and that they can have negative effects. I mean, it's all, it's all just swirling around. You know what I mean? That's what I'm thinking. Just yeah. like, yeah, these things are all just kind of out there and Oh, I could get into that all day. Yeah, it is. It's it's it is interesting. I will say, speaking of Thanksgiving and all that, you know, so much of that is is parenting. Because I will say, I got like I gave myself like a gold star parenting moment. My yeah. daughter came home and said, like I told my teacher that on Columbus shouldn't be celebrated because he's a terrible person and kill people. And I was like, high five. Well done. <laughs> wow. What did the teacher say to your teacher? Uh, well, it was first grade. The teacher said, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> good cover. Good cover. Right. That teacher yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the good good for you. Was that, You said that was your daughter or your son? Yeah, my daughter. My seven-year-old. Well yeah. I was well like, done. high five good for you. Parent. Gold star parenting. <laughs> nice. 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 Well, that's great. And I wouldn't envy that job as well, trying to educate. And, uh, you know, because there's so much out there that... Uh, well, this is getting really serious here. I don't yeah. really need to get this intense, but <laughs> you can't help it. There's just so much stuff that it's 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 an illusion. A lot of these things, you know. And, yeah. And the more perspective you can offer, I guess it takes time to figure all that stuff out. You know, unless unless you're right in the middle of it, then and you can't. If it's affecting you directly, and if it's about, uh, you know, I was listening to there's a, a CBC podcast uh, about indigenous issues in Canada, and they were talking about you know because we just had our Remembrance Day which is our equivalent of Veterans Day, and just talking about indig- indigenous members of the military and code breakers and, and all this stuff and, and how different it is when you consider it through what patriotism looks like and, you know, and which, which groups of people are celebrated, which ones aren't, and, th- th- like, they had to keep their involvement a secret and all this stuff, and it's just, like, it's so... Uh, it's so many people have been so horribly oppressed in so many different ways and exploited and... And then you think, well, why are we celebrating this? Why is this, how did this get to be a holiday? You know what I mean? Why are we calling this, like, for what reason is this something that, why do we have turkey? Like, things like that, you know? And Anyway, oh boy, I didn't mean to get so serious. Well, you know, actually, it's, it's uh, when you're mentioning this, it's, it's very interesting to me because uh, I'm going to mention a show that uh, neither one of you have mentioned that has nothing to do with you, but the topic, the topic, you know, <laughs> of, of kind of, learning history and what is history and do you really know what happened and how something you perceive as being true might not be true for somebody and like for instance on outlander uh yeah. they're discussing currently uh it's it's one of my favorite shows on television yeah. um and they're discussing how you know we have uh, uh immigrants from scotland and in uh, north carolina and they are like uh discussing Indians and they're discussing, you know, life in in uh, in 18th century North Carolina. And one of the one of the Scots is like, well, you know, they were here first, and they're like, oh, you're so naive, you just don't right. understand. And uh, the lead character Jamie is like, you know, it's interesting how things that are good news for some people are bad news for other people. It's yeah. all a matter of perspective, and it's it's something that I've been challenging myself with personally. Uh, staying on this super serious note here yeah. is that do I know what I think I know? Am I right? And I'm always trying to challenge myself now with maybe I've always thought something was true, but I've only gotten the really pretty textbook version of it, the one yep. that was printed and, and given to us in classrooms. And 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 hey, there are other people's perspectives that are different yep. than mine, and maybe they're right or maybe they're wrong. But I should be open to considering the possibilities. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the, the 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 daily idea is just to consider reconsider things that uh, have been taught to you to be a certain way. At least to be open. Like you know, people respond to different perspectives on the things that they know. Their institutions, and they get so defensive because wait, how could this thing that I trust in actually be bad for some people or have hurt people or you know eradicated people and things like that? And then you you know. I get that idea of being protective of these things that make your life complete and give you a purity or whatever it is. But I mean, it's not, it's not really, hopefully it doesn't end there. You know what I mean? Hopefully you push past that and examine, well, why, why wouldn't I be open hearted enough to consider that it's different for other people? I mean, that's, I feel like listening and being opening, uh, you know, in our world right now, unfortunately, it's like a really low bar, but like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. um, sets you apart. And I imagine, you know, i the thing I think about this and then our earlier conversation about typecasting and how, you know, some actors now are like, oh, like diversity 
requirements like take away white actors' jobs, and it's like, no, that's not how that works. Yeah. I mean, these are things that I've definitely, like, had to consider the the way I thought about something, and then it's it's actually refreshing to consider, like, people talk about, like, affirmative action or, like, yeah, uh, you would only get this, you're only getting this job because it's a, a quota that's trying to get certain representation, but that also presupposes, that perspective presupposes that if everybody was equal, that someone white would get the job, and if you don't look at why that is set up like that, you're not getting the full picture of why that is. Like, unless you actually believe that your race is superior, right. and it's not just about opportunities and access and who establishes these systems and and uh, and why and where it came from, you re- you know what I mean? Like, the, the idea that someone could actually think, no, I'm better suited for this job because of this. Like, whether yeah. it's, you know, in film and TV, it's so much more, I think, public because it's so visible. You know what I mean? A lot of the times, and even that's getting more nuanced when you're talking about who's running studios and who's actually green lighting what gets made and things like that. You know, that that's, it, I think that's why it's, it's such a focus is because it, people care about it. It's on, it's what people want to watch. It, 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 it's, you know, it's fantasy, but it's also uh, where they look for cues on, on life. I mean, boy, oh boy, people really <laughs> care a lot about movies and TV. So, I mean, where was I going with that? I just lost my train of thought, but uh, yeah, that that's, that that's, you have to look at why things are the way they are. It's a, I mean, I get that if something was really good for you, you wouldn't really want to investigate it. And I have, you know, I talked to active, active friends of mine that are, that are white and that aren't. And you look at like where it's just constantly evolving. You know what I mean? So, well, you know, along those lines, it's, it's uh, I'll go back to outlander again. There was yeah. a, a, a certain storyline where uh, I'm not going to spoil it, but uh, because Thank it's you. just happened. But it just happened. But it's something where our heroes are trying to do the right thing, but they can't do it because the law is specifically structured to make that impossible. And right. because it, it, it interferes, doing the right thing interferes with a structure that has been put in place that so many people benefit from, yeah. except for this select group of people who do not benefit from it, and too bad, so sad for them. And I, it's sort of the same thing that we see here with what you're talking about. I think that's, you know, in life in general, in Hollywood. Um, like when she got How to Get Away with Murder, that was like a big, I remember reading an article about diversity and casting and how that was a big deal because that character wasn't written black, but she ended up getting the part, which is still... <laughs> Kind of a bit, you know, it's obviously still a big deal when somebody can, because that means somebody in casting took a chance and somebody, uh, an agent probably pushed her for something. And I mean, you look at that role and it's like, why couldn't that role be like, why does whiteness intrinsic in that character's performance? Right. You know I mean? So, I mean, right. if you know, the, if, as long as, as long as I think if the thing that's happening is the default is no longer white and everything else is other then that's, that's just another, it's just another reason why someone wouldn't get a job in something. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, guys, I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta work with my acting teacher on my next yeah. episode. Yeah. So we were, we, we were gonna wrap up anyway. Want to find a way to wrap this up? Now that we've the, come full circle, really you know, from awkward scenes. If you could really quick tell us your favorite fan interaction, then we'll let you go act. My favorite fan interaction. Oh boy. Well, I mean, I think I'd have to go with the fact that like there's a a, a fan of Blind Spot from Australia uh, named Laura who tweeted a picture of a little Fimo, you know Fle- Fimo, it's like clay, like a little rich.com that she made out Aww. of Fimo's this tiny thing that was like two inches high, maybe and then, yeah, two inches, and uh, in like a prison jumpsuit, and she put in this little like little test tube with a little cork on it, and um, I, I was so tickled by it, and I asked her to, to if there was any way she would make one for me, and she was like, oh, I'll just send you that one, and then I ended up uh, like commissioning her to <laughs> make one of everybody in the show so I could give one to everybody in the cast. And I wanted to give them as a gift to, um, you know, to, yeah, just people in the cast. And so she ended up making, uh, it, it, she said it took like 10 hours each one, which is crazy. But then by coincidence, she ended up being in New York as part of like a, a road trip she's taking. So I actually got the chance to meet her and she gave them all to me by hand. And I mean, the fact that she worked on them. You know, I ended up, I, 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 it was a professional contract. You know, I, I definitely didn't just do, I didn't accept them for free. That would be terrible. But we ended up working out like she donated half of what I uh, paid her for the, the, the artwork uh, to a charity that I uh, work with a lot called Youth Without Shelter. That's uh, a homeless youth shelter that's in Toronto. And uh, so the whole thing was just an incredible kind of, had a serendipity to it. I couldn't believe how hard she worked on it. And uh, if you get the chance to follow 
uh, her handle is uh, Stuff Laura Loves, and that's uh, that's on Instagram and uh, and Twitter as well. She's fantastic, and that was just really cool. So, yeah, that was nice, and it was nice to be able to just someone did something sweet for no reason other than they liked the show, and and uh, we ended up working in a set visit and stuff too. And yeah, that was really cool. That's very cool. Well, thank wow. you so much for coming on. We really appreciate you spending all this time with us. Hey, my pleasure. All right. We it's will see you nice uh, to get into some, Friday some, some, at 8. Some serious things. Yes, Friday at 8. Yeah, thank That's you. all I can say for now. <laughs> you just listened to the podcast Nerds of the Hub, produced, recorded, and edited by the TV Series Hub team. If you want to read TV and film-related articles, reviews, and more, go to www.tvserieshub.tv. Also, follow us on Twitter and check our Facebook page. Both are TV Series Hub. Send us a message. No, proudly.